Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Genesis chapter number 6 I want to read those first nine verses there and excuse the long text but I want you to get an idea of just the state and the condition of the world during the days of Noah we'll begin with verse 1 and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives of all which they chose and the Lord said my spirit shall not always strive with man For that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days. Also after that, when the sons of God came unto the daughters of men, they bare children to them. The same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I destroyed man whom I, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. Let's look at chapter 7, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteousness before me in this generation. I want you to notice this. And the Lord said unto Noah, and then chapter 8 and verse 1, And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark and God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assaged. I want to lift the first few words of chapter 8 as our subject here this morning and God remembered and God remembered. Praise the Lord. I want his help today. We all need his touch. We need a word from God. We need the Spirit of the Lord to minister to us. How many come with needs in your heart and life today that you want the Lord to work in, you want the Lord to help you with? Well, we know that the answer comes through the Word of God and his Spirit moving upon us. There's no greater place that you could be if you've got needs than in the house of God. 
Amen. Praise God. I, I just have learned a long time ago when it's church time, I want to be in church because each church service represents an opportunity for me to receive exactly what I need for that particular time. And just my presence there uh, opens me up to whatever that I need from God. Praise the Lord. Let's pray for his anointing today. We desire him to, to move in this place. Jesus, we need you this morning. We need your touch. We're praying, God, for your help. We know that you're able to strengthen us through your word. God, you're able, Lord, to speak to us exactly where we're at. God, you're able to minister to needs in our hearts and lives today. Also, you're able through your word to fortify us for whatever the future holds. We thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. And let's give thanks and praise to the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for standing and you may be seated. And God remembered. As I was reading through this passage the last few days, I think it was about three days ago that I was reading through on my daily Bible reading using the bread program schedule. And I came across this passage and this story, which most of us are very familiar with this account and the story about Noah and what happened with the great flood and the judgments of God that came to that particular generation. And I have read over it several times, but there was some fascinating features of this old story that came to life to me. Describing the depravity of uh, this Andalusian age is really not that difficult or challenging for us to understand because uh, Jesus said when he was discussing the last days and uh, teaching about it to his followers in Luke chapter 17, he compared it to the days of Noah. He said, you want to know what the last days are going to look like, the days of the Son of Man. All you have to do is look back and study what the days of Noah looked like. In Luke 17 and 26, he said, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, and they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. So all you have to do to get an idea of what the spirit and the attitude of the age of Noah was like was really, is really just to look around you. Just the spiritual temperature and climate that we're a part of is eerily similar to the days of Noah. And there's a phrase that Jesus uses here in Luke 17 that is very telling about the general spiritual condition of that day. He said they ate, they drank, they married, and they were given in marriage. And then this particular phrase stands out to me until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Now, mind you, Noah had been preaching to them. 
He was a preacher of righteousness, the Bible says. And he preached a message of repentance, which was a message of hope for this generation, that if they would turn around, if they would change their ways, that God would show mercy to them and God would give them uh, a way to be saved. And he had provided a way for them to be saved. And he was offering hope. He was throwing out a lifeline. Some would argue that this message lingered for 120 years that he preached over and over again, a previous to the arrival of the judgments of God. But all the way up until the time that Noah boarded the ark along with seven others of his family members, all the way up until the time that this happened, the Bible tells us that Noah preached and Noah gave opportunity. But these people continued in their sinful state. These people never stopped. They never checked up. They never hesitated. They never even blinked. Uh, they never bothered. Uh, they never were disturbed. They, they, there's no evidence that they were ever convicted in the least. It only seems like they gained momentum as the encroaching judgment neared. It only seems like they were even more, more sacrilege and more debauched in their thinking as the judgments of God grew near. It seems to me that they grew more evil. And the scripture describes in this way, it says that every imagination and the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Continually upon evil. Continually imagining what else that they could do. What else they could delve into. What other sinful act could they engage in. How could they grow more evil? How could they devise uh, uh, more sin in their acts and, and in their deeds? How, how could they be involved in more things that was ungodly? This was what their mind was upon continually. In other words, there was no thought of God. There was no trace of God that was in their thoughts or their minds. They never thought upon him. Their attention was never turned to him. Though there was a preacher that was preaching, though there was a man of God that was stating the truth, though there was someone that was giving them hope, that was giving them opportunity to change, the scripture says that their minds and their hearts were upon evil continually. Their imaginations was trying to create something else that they could get into that was ungodly. Is this a little reminiscent of our generation with all the signs of the times and with all the things that are going on in our world and our world? Uh, I mean, even a novice when it comes to the Scripture can recognize that this world is going headlong in, into a... a, a into a sinful, dark state to which it doesn't seem like there's any return or they're past the point of return. There's acts of terror that are going on almost on a weekly basis in our world. There's threats of war. There's nations rising up against nations. There's genocide that is taking place in corners of our world. And then right here in America, it seems like with all of these things going on, 
in our Western civilization, people seem like they're so detached. Uh, they have no compassion for those things. They have no time to even think or ponder on those things. They're looking for the next way to satisfy the sin. Uh, they're, they're looking for some way to satisfy the appetites for sin in their heart and in their life. Looking always and thinking continually upon evil just like it was. Jesus said it would be this way. He said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. It, it seems like just what the Scripture says is coming to pass that the love of many has waxed cold. Didn't happen overnight. Didn't happen in immediate circumstances, but it waxed cold. In other words, it has slowly hardened. The hearts of people have slowly hardened against the things of God. I've stated to you many times, but it's harder now, it seems like, than ever before to reach people, to preach to people, to get in the hearts of people. Seems like there's so many distractions. And I guess we could blame it on that, but we have to take personal responsibility of maintaining a focus upon God. It is our, it is our hunger for God, it is our thirst for God that helps us to maintain that focus. And if there ever was a time that we needed to be hungry for God, it's now. If there ever was a time that we needed Him, it's now. There ever was a time we needed to hear from His Word. It's now. Amen. I never have seen a day with people with such flimsy excuses of coming or not coming rather to the house of God. Being absent from church services. I, I've never seen it on this wise. I don't know how well that's going to stand up with people in judgment that they live for God and plowed all day and planted and cultivated their crops or maybe picked cotton all day in the hot sun and came in just enough time to get cleaned up and go to the house of God, amen, and live for God sometimes seven nights a week, had revival. Don't tell me that we live in a different day and we can't do that now and that's not the day we're living in. I'm going to tell you, there's people that went before us that sacrificed a whole lot more than we sacrificed to come to the house of God. Amen. We made it too easy. We made it too comfortable. And frankly, we're just too lazy sometimes to worship and come to the house of God. And sometimes folks come to the house of God and they sit there like a bump on a pickle. Amen. As though the preacher is supposed to entertain them. That's not what coming to church is about. You need to be engaged in what's going on. Come on, we're to be worshipers. God has blessed us and the Lord has given to us and the Lord has been there for us. Hallelujah. Come on, it's no skin off of any of us to lift up our hands and to worship God and to give praise to Him because He's been mighty good to us. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I fear that people's hearts have grown hardened towards the things of God. Jesus talked about those that could not be moved. He said, we played unto you and you've not danced. Amen. We, we've done everything we can to reach for you and you've not responded. You, you're, 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 you're too hard to move. You're, you're wanting and expecting too much. I'm going to preach to you this morning. What else could the Lord do for you? He went to Calvary's cross. 
He died. He shed His blood for your sins. There's nothing more. Amen. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man laid down his life for his friend. I don't know what you're expecting this morning, but he's done all he can do. If there's something else that has to be done to impress you, you're too hard to impress. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. We need to understand we have an obligation. It's a duty. It's a responsibility. We shouldn't view it like that. But it is our responsibility to give praise and to give thanks and to give adoration unto God. And I've been pretty passive over the last little while with people coming to church and just wanting to be entertained and just going through the motion and seeming so distant and hard-hearted, amen, and critical and analytical in their spirit. Away with that. Amen. This is a new year. Amen. And I told you that we're going to quit coasting after the new year. And I'm here to preach to you this morning. If you're not a worshiper, you should be a worshiper. I want to preach to you this morning. If you say you got the Holy Ghost and you can't clap your hands every once in a while, I doubt your experience. I'm going to get stronger than that. Amen. You ought to pop your hand up on the back of the bench if you can't do nothing else. But it's time to worship. When we come to the house of God, there's nothing more that He can do for us. He paid a price that was our debt to pay. He did it all so that we could be here this morning. I don't apologize if that offends you this morning. Amen. Some of us need to be disturbed a little bit. Some of us need to be waking up a little bit. You need something to shake you because it takes too much to impress you. Praise God. Amen. The Bible talks about Pharaoh. In his heart being hardened. I don't know how much more God would have to do for an individual than what he did for Pharaoh, Brother Smith. God allowed plague after plague to come and tried to get his attention. God allowed things to happen that were so miraculous. And, and there's no way that you could just say that it was a freak of nature. Or no way that you could dismiss it as being anything other than God moving in the situation. Yet, the more he was able, the more he was able to get by and survive and skirt around. And whenever there was a reprieve in God's judgment of these plagues, and just as soon as God would relax these Plagues, and he could see that that uh, there had been some type of reprieve. He'd go back to his old ways. Amen. There's a lot of people when God deals with them, they're moved, and but they really ne never make a full attempt to change. Oh, they're sorry that their hands in the cookie jar. They're sorry that they got caught. They're, they're sorry that their foot's in the trap. They're sorry that they're in the situation that they're in. Uh, but it's only then that they get desperate about crying out to God or make any concessions and make any attempts to change. And this was Pharaoh's. This was Pharaoh's attitude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's getting better, I. 
whatever I said before, whatever, whatever concessions I made, it deals off now. I think I can make it another day. And that's just the way some people, maybe not in words, but in deeds and in actions, that's the attitude that they have. They get earnest before God when, when there's a crisis, when, when there's, there's some type of deal, when their back's against the wall and it seems like uh, there's no way that they can humanly make it out. Then they turn to God and then they begin to seek the face of God. I'm just preaching what I feel so strong on my heart. God spoke to me from his word about these things. And, and uh, I'm just telling you, your, your heart can grow hardened over time. If, you're, if you have that kind of track record with God, you have to be careful that your heart don't become hardened. You can get to the place. I've been in this type of church service before. I've felt this type of presence of God before. I've felt the moving of God's spirit before until it becomes so familiar. You almost become contemptuous towards that move of God. You, you, you become so comfortable with it that it doesn't affect you anymore. It doesn't change you anymore. Oh, you need to shake yourself. You need to be stirred this morning. Not just stirred up, but you need to make some real commitments. You need to make some real changes. You need to make some real adjustments to your life because you're in danger. Living that way, living with that kind of spirit, living with that kind of attitude. Oh, I'm glad it's better. I'll just go back to my old ways and living the old lifestyle and get 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 back in the old traces again and here we go and it's a repeated cycle over and over again get stirred up get moved on then go back and that's exactly as you read the book of judges which is a book that is has blood just about on every page of it uh, you can read through the book of judges that was Israel's cycle they'd get in a jam they'd cry out to God God would deliver them he'd raise up a judge in the land to a deliverer and he would come and deliver them and then they would fall right back in to the same habits the the same routine and it was a cycle that got repeated over and over again until the Bible says there arose a generation that knew not the Lord didn't even know how to respond to God didn't even know how to be tender towards the Lord didn't even know how to get a hold of God and repent if you live that kind of lifestyle of just coming and being moved but not ever being changed and never being stirred up and never really making the commitment and never following through on what God does for you in your life it won't be long until you drifted so far away that you won't even know God in the way that you that you say that you have known him in times past God, let me be moved on to the point and take it seriously enough and be sincere enough about it that I make some changes. Praise the Lord. I, I saw people in this recent revival that we have. It got real stirred up, got real moved on. You've got to be careful that you don't fall back in the, in lapse back into the same routine that you was in. Before revival came, before God moved on you, before God touched you. Come on, don't, don't allow the devil to put blinders on your eyes and lead you down a path of destruction. But some way, let us be stirred. Let us be moved on. Amen. Noah's day was a sick and spiritually deranged day. They were doing things that were not natural at all and I read some of those things to you they were so distant from God twisted and immoral and and seeking out uh, all kinds of things uh, 
to satisfy their sinful appetites. But my heart regains hope when I read in chapter 6 and verse 8 that it says this, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In the midst of this debauchery, in the midst of this sacrilege, in the midst of people throwing away everything that was holy and everything that was sacred and everything that was godly and everything that was wholesome in this age of evil, in this age of wickedness, there was one man that got God's attention in the midst of it all. There's one man that said, I'm going to stand up against the tide. I'm going to stand up against all of the worldliness and the things that is going on. I'm not going to cave to it. I'm not going to compromise with it. I'm not going to give in to it. I will not capitulate. I've got my mind made up. I'm going to stand for righteousness. And the Bible said in a world that was wicked that Noah walked with God. You know what that tells me? It doesn't matter how bad the conditions are in this world uh, as it was in the days of Noah so shall it be in the days of the son of man or in the last days uh, there is still going to be people that are going to stand up uh, there's still going to be some folks that are going to have the favor of God upon them there's going to be folks that are going to walk with God uh, that are going to draw close while they're getting more evil we're drawing closer to the Lord because we know that judgment is coming we know that the day of the Lord is near we know that the wrath we must be ready for it. I'm preaching to somebody. Amen. While the world is drifting further and further down a path of destruction, there's people in this house that's got your mind made up. I'm going to get closer to him because I want his favor. I need his grace. Amen. The eyes of the Lord looked upon him. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Let me just tell you that God is looking. I said God is looking for somebody that has a righteous desire for the things of God. That has a hunger. It has a real appetite for the things of the Lord. In an age where people are so hung up on satisfying their flesh. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to tell you, there's just some things you can do without in order to be saved. As much as your flesh wants to lose control and go that direction. It takes discipline to be a child of God. Yeah. Well, I can't hardly, you know, I... I gotta, I gotta have somebody. I, come on now. Is that worth being lost over? Let's tell you something else. We don't do evangelism dating around here. That's not how that works. We live for God, Amen, and we look for companions inside the church. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something else about that. Not just inside the church, but people that are on fire for God, that are consecrated, that live for God, that serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That have their minds made up. That are not cold and indifferent when it comes to the things of God. And if you disagree with this preaching, I'm going to tell you this morning, you're cold and you're indifferent. There's something wrong with you and your spirituality. 
Praise the Lord. You need to pray more. You need to take what I'm preaching to you and take it and get down in an altar somewhere and pray it through because it's right whether or not you agree with it or not. Hallelujah. Praise God. Noah's generation was, was a generation that was just totally let loose. Totally unconsecrated. But God did a couple of things for Noah that encourages us today. The Bible said in Genesis chapter 7 verse 1, I read it. And the Lord said to Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee I have seen righteousness. Because of you I have got a flicker of hope. I've seen righteousness before me in this generation. As dark as the day is, God was still speaking to somebody. God was still talking. God was still laying out plans to someone. God was still, I'm, I'm going to preach to somebody. You may feel like you're in a dark place right now and you're striving to live for God. You're striving to do what's right. You're striving, you're striving to, 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 to be what God wants you to be. And it seems like that, uh, that you can't get a hold of it. And, 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 and it's uh, whatever reason, it seems like it's elusive and, and you can't get a direction from God. You can't get the Lord to speak to you like you'd like him to. I, I'm telling you, discontinue. He's a reward of them to diligently seek him. You keep on seeking God. You keep on believing God. And God, I don't care how dark it is or how discouraged or despondent you might be, God is able to speak. I said he's able to speak. And Noah, the Bible said in verse 5, and Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Amen. It's not just enough to have God to speak to us, but when he speaks to us, are we bold enough? Do we have the follow through? Do we have what it takes to, to do what he asks us to do? God speaks, are we willing to not only hear it, but are we willing to put it into action? The Bible talks about this. It talks about not just being a hearer of the word, but a doer also. Amen. Praise the Lord. So it's important that we understand that I've got to put my hearing, what I've heard from the word of the Lord, into action. And I've got to do it. I've got to be obedient to him. The Bible said the flood and the judgment that the world was going to see that they had never experienced up until this point. God spoke to Noah ahead of time. He gave him a plan. If we'll listen to God, we don't have to be blindsided by the devil. If we'll be sensitive enough to God, we don't have to be caught off guard or unawares. Hallelujah. Darkness, sin, worldliness, and God spoke to him. God began to talk to a man that had a heart for God, that wanted to please the Lord, that wanted to do what was right. And I would imagine on that ark, as far as I can tell, my calculations from the time that he boarded the ark and God shut the door, until the time that that he came, the ark came to rest on Mount Ararat, and they got off and was able to sacrifice some of those animals unto the Lord. The best I can 
calculated, it looks to be six months that they spent on that ark. Some people think it was only 40 days, 40 nights, and that'd be a long time. But six months on the confines of that ark. And I'm sure as many of us, I mean, Noah was a human. He had humanity to deal with. I'm sure, just like you and I, somewhere along that six, month, six months of being on that ark and being in those conditions, which I'm sure were, were not the most compelling of situations and most comfortable conditions to be in. But the Bible tells us he was there on that ark with his family and all of those animals for six months. Somewhere in that time, I, 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 have, to, I have to imagine, if you give me a little liberty here, that maybe he thought, I, I know what God said. I know the word God gave me. I know what God communicated to me back then and back there. I know the confirmation. I remember what I felt. But you know, there's been a little distance between then and now, and I'm in a condition now that's, we're in the midst of it. I mean, there's floodwaters everywhere. There's the stench of death floating on the waters. There's the stench inside the ark from all of the animals that are here. There's a family that I've had to referee a few arguments between because they're on this boat and, and all of the things that are going on with that. And so I'm just certain that there was times when he wondered, God, do you, do you remember what you told me? Do you remember what you said? I, I, I remember what you said, and, and I remember it clearly, but God, do you? It seems like, and I spoke uh, this last Wednesday night about long trials. You know, it's one thing to go through a, a, a little period of time that doesn't last long of maybe just temporary disappointment and discouragement and problems and whatever, but to have a long trial that lasts a matter of months, maybe even longer, just a long trial. I've known people that have been in situations and trials and it seemed like uh, they, it was it was sometimes even years. I, I know one man heard his testimony one time. He said for a period of, of seven years it was blessing, it was goodness of God, and uh, then he, uh, the Lord moved him in another area of ministry, and he said for seven years there, he said it was toiling, it was trial, it was difficult, it was challenging to the point where I was almost broken completely. And, and it's in those times of long trial that the biggest thing that we've got to do is to keep our fight, to keep our desire to push through. As I've already quoted here this morning, he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You've got to be diligent about it. You've got you to keep on knocking on the door. You've got to keep on coming back. Uh, amen. I remember Brother Holmes uh, uh, several years ago was talking about how that he, he was going through some things. And he said, I noticed when my father was pastoring the church, he said when trouble would arise and things would come up, he said we'd all get into a prayer chain and have prayer of a day for several hours. And, and he said, I thought to myself, and he said God would always come through and, and things would get better. He said, I thought to myself, I wonder if we would just sustain this level of commitment to prayer 
I wonder if God wouldn't just bless and keep us and, and God wouldn't just propel us on into the future. And he said, during that time, I just made a commitment that I'm going I'm to give a certain amount of time every day to the Lord in prayer. Not just a little prayer, not just, not just a little time of devotion, but every day, lengthy time in prayer. I was going to spend it at the church praying. And he said, I made that commitment. And he said, there was days that would go by. And he said, uh, I would walk in the church. It didn't seem like there was much that was changing, much that was moving, much that was happening at that particular time. But he said, I just kept coming back. He said, I got to the place one time. Uh, he said, I walked in the sanctuary and I said, God, it's Joel. He said, I'm here again. I'm here again. I made up my mind. I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. I'm not turning around, but I'm coming back until I get an answer. And sometimes that's the attitude that you've got to adopt is, God, I'm here again. I'm back down to the altar again. I'm back to the place of prayer again. I'm back here to seek the face of the Lord again. I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. I'm not turning my back. I'm not giving in. I'm not caving into the pressure, but I'm here again. Come on, you got some things you need an answer in. You got some things that you need God to work out in your life. Make up your mind. I'm going to go one more time. And then, then if I don't get an answer, then I'm coming back again. Devil, I want you to know I'm determined. God, I want you to understand I'm going to be faithful. I'm not going to just cave in. I'm going to come on back again. Seeking the face of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And the Bible tells us in this last verse that I read to you in Acts, or in Genesis, rather, 8 and 1, it says, And God remembered. This one, it seemed like it had been so long. God remembered. I want, I want to preach to somebody here in conclusion this morning that God doesn't forget his promises. God doesn't, God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't speak out of turn. He doesn't tell you something and then not follow through with it. But God is good for the things that he promises you. If he spoke it to you, he is able to fulfill it. He's able to work it out. Doesn't matter what the opposition is. Doesn't matter how the situation looks to you doesn't matter what things appear to be. It doesn't even matter what other folks say about it. God is able to work it out. Sometimes we, we, we get the report. Maybe it's from somebody, some professional a doctor gives us a report. But I want to tell you, that's really not the final say. God is the final say. Because remember, he is the great physician. I said, you still believe in miracles here? You still believe that God is able to turn things around? Come on, whose report are you going to believe? Isaiah said, whose report hath we believed? Amen. I, I want to believe the report that God gives us. I want to believe what God has spoken. I want to put my hopes and my faith and my trust in the Word of God that is forever settled. I want to understand that God gets the last say. And the Scripture says that God remembered Noah. He said, I've never taken my eyes off of you from the day I spoke it to you, from the day I articulated what I was going to 
do. I had a plan. You may not understand the entirety of my plan, but I've been working that plan all along in your life. And when the time came, I already had things lined out. I was going to guide that ship right where it needed to be. It was going to come to rest on the mount that it needed to come to. It was going to be right where it... I've had this all in my plan all along. And I've remembered. I've got... confidence that God has spoken to people in this place and I have just as much confidence that he's going to remember the things that he spoke to you if you remain faithful to him don't cave in don't give in don't get in a hurry don't try to make your own plans let God work his plan in your life Oh, let's lift up our voices to the Lord right now. <clears throat> I feel like preaching to somebody, don't lose your fight. Don't lose your ability to get back up and get in the game and push on don't lose that determination don't lose that sense of I, I, I'm going to make it I'm, I'm going to with God's help come through praise the Lord God is going to give you the grace that's sufficient to do that if you'll trust in Him and if you don't give up. You've got to have willpower. You've got to make up your mind. You've got to, you've got to plant your feet. You've got to say, I'm, I'm here to fight. The Bible talks about fighting the good fight of faith. Some folks lose their fight. They lose their tenaciousness. They give in. They lose a, a, a sense of, of being patient with God and His plan and they get out ahead of Him. Amen. Because they lose their fight they lose that desire to let God have his way I'm going to tell you you need to stand on your two feet and make up your mind amen I am going to allow God to work this thing and in the process, I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep on worshiping. I'm not going to let my worship sag just because I'm going through a little disappointment. I'm not going to lower down in my intensity. I'm not going to quit praying and seeking God. I'm not going to come to church with a bad attitude and a bad spirit just because everything hadn't worked out like I wanted to. I'm going to keep my attitude right. I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay joyful in, in the things of God. I'm going to keep rejoicing when I come to His house because it's in God's hands. And God's going to work it out. And he remembers. He remembers. Would you stand with me? Let's lift up our voices again to him. Would somebody lift up your hands to God and let's give him praise. Let's give him praise right now. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe God's scouring this sanctuary, this audience this morning with His eyes looking. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. 
He's looking over this congregation. Is there anybody that's got a desire? Does anybody want to please me? Is anybody in the midst of this old world want to live for me? Want to serve me? Is there anyone here that still still believes my word and still wants to hold on to it? Is there anybody here that that feels the need to draw close to me instead of drift with the world and to all of its and accept everything that comes down the pike? Come on, he's looking. The Bible talks about the eyes of the Lord going to and fro in the earth. Is there a Noah in this house that he could find? In the midst of sin, in the midst of ungodliness, in the midst of world, and all of its sacrilege and sinful appetites. Wicked and vile imaginations. Thoughts that are evil continually. Is there somebody that has a mind for God? Somebody been thinking on the Lord. Somebody saying, God, I want to please you. Is there somebody? That's the person that God will speak to and that's the person he'll remember. That's the person that he will help today. That's the person he'll speak to here today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. Let's talk to him, church. Let's talk to him. Let's, let's heed the voice of God this morning. Let's, let's allow the Lord to get a hold of our hearts. Let's allow the Lord to melt some things in our hearts. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Yes, yes, yes. Come on, if you'll yield to Him, He'll help you. If you'll surrender to Him, He'll help you. If you'll open up your heart, He'll make a way for you. Where's the earnestness? Where's the desperateness? Where's the, where's the fervency this morning? Where's the person that says, God... I want you to do a work in me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, yes, God, I need you. I need you. I realize, God, I can't do this in my own abilities or by myself, but I need you. I need your touch. I need you to get a hold of me. I need you to quicken my heart. Come on, how long are you going to drift? How long, how much more worldly are you going to become? How much more of the world are you going to let in? Come on, it's time to raise up a standard against all of that. It's time for somebody to say, this is enough. I'm taking my life and my walk with God back over. I'm not going to let the devil just wreak havoc and run over me. I need to be stirred. I need to be changed. I need to be moved on. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, yes, God. Touch me and stir me and change me. Get a hold of me. Awaken me. Hallelujah. Come on. Some of us need to be praying and reaching out to God and talking to the Lord this morning. God's throwing out a lifeline. God's 
trying to rescue somebody from a tragic mistake. Come on, I know what I felt. Just a couple of days ago when God dropped this in my heart. I know what I felt. Somebody needs to hear the word of the Lord this morning. God's trying to save you and spare you from a lot of heartache and troubles. Come on, it's an avoidable thing. It's an avoidable thing. God has given you a word. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God is looking for somebody to help here this morning that's got a heart for him. 